to do something for me, and that's I want you to sincerely pray this next week specifically for the Ukraine. What's happening there is a tragedy, and Putin doesn't understand anything except power. When you try to appease, you open a door for devastation. And so, look, we may not have world leaders that have got enough backbone or courage to stand him, but God does. I said God does. And you ain't never been slapped down like you've been slapped down when God slaps you down. And you, you think I'm just, look, you remember the man that was here? You remember Brother Walls that I had come? That he had a meeting going on in St. Louis, and it was a tent meeting, and some men in the neighborhood had penned a note on the tent that said, tomorrow night this tent comes down. The next night, men gathered out underneath the street lamp. The pastor that had been hosting the revival looked over at Brother Walls and said, what are we going to do? He said, you stay here. He said, God's going to take care of this. He got up and started out under the tent to meet those men under that street light. Men in the tr and under the tent started to go out with him, and he said, you men stay here. God is going to handle this. And when he walked out there, he walked out and he wasn't by himself. <laughs> How many of you know that there's a God that goes with us? He, he looked at those men and he said, what are you men doing? He said, preacher, we're getting ready to take this tent down. He said, no, you're not. He said, those are God's children underneath there. He said, you're not touching this tent. They took a step toward him. The spirit of God hit him. He reached out and tapped these guys on the head real quick. They went flying down and hit the ground. Man, they jumped up and took off running the other way. I'm talking about a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, hear me. I'm asking you to pray specifically that God will knock Putin down. Now, he can do this, he can do this any way he wants. He knocked Paul, Saul down one time, and when he got up, he was converted. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Amen. But we have a choice to make. We either say yes to him or we say no, and then we have to suffer the consequences. We need to get our prayer specific and ask God to intervene in this. How many of you will do that this week? Amen? Amen. So we're going to be praying together for that. I want to, we, last week we started a series called Why? Everybody say it with me, Why? We've all experienced whys in our life, haven't we? When we were children, it used to be, why do I have to make my bed? It's gonna, I'm going to sleep in it again tonight. Why bother? Why wash the dishes? They're just going to be dirty again. Why can't we just buy paper plates? Why do I have to always be the one to feed the dog? Because you wanted the dog why. There's all kinds of whys in our life, and it doesn't change when we come to God. We have some whys, don't we? And so, in this series, I've attempted to answer the whys. Last week, we talked about why we believe. This week, we're going to talk about why we worship. Everybody say why. 
go with me to Exodus, the 34th chapter and the 14th verse. You must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Everybody say, no other gods. Now, keep in mind that whoever or whatever you put in front of your relationship with God has become a God to you. It can be a child. It can be a spouse. It can be a job. It can be your finances. But whatever you put in front of God becomes a God to you. And he said, it ain't happening. He said, I'm a jealous God. Let, my, let me catch somebody flirting with my wife, and I'm going to show you a jealous husband. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm telling you that a little bit of jealousy is good. Well, okay, let me ask you, ladies, uh, do you want your husband to be a little jealous of you, or would you rather he not care at all? Be a little Man, it's quiet in here right now. Everybody's. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about jealousy that controls you. I'm talking about a jealousy that you're in control of. Matter of fact, maybe what I ought to do is explain this a little bit and help you get your mind wrapped around it. Let me talk about why I don't worship other gods. It's a very simple explanation why I don't worship other gods. And remember, anything or anyone I put in front of God has become a God to me. The reason I don't worship other gods is because I love him. I said, oh, don't anybody get excited. I love him. How many of you love him? If you love him, shout it out, I love him. You haven't convinced me yet. I love, I'm telling you that, look, when I was, uh, several years ago, you know, I love Christmas time. So several years ago, when our children were little, we were driving down the road and it was around Christmas time and Debbie looked at me and she said, you know you want to, go ahead. So I, I, I pulled off the side of the road, whipped it up in park. My kids were looking at me, what's he getting ready to do? I jumped out of the car and I yelled, Merry Christmas, everyone. My kids are looking and laughing. It was so bottled up inside me. I just always wanted to shout from the top of my lungs, Merry Christmas. You know, I kept thinking about George. <laughs> oh, and it's a wonderful life. You know. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. I just wanted everybody to know that he's, that, hey, no matter what's going on, I love him. Great. Now, our granddaughter's inherited that from me. She's four years old now, but when, last year when she was three, it was around Thanksgiving time, and her mommy had brought down all the tubs from the attic that had Christmas decorations in it. Well, she brought them down at night, and she was real quiet because she didn't want to wake up Vivian. And so as she brought them down, all of a sudden the next morning when Vivian woke up, she looked and she goes, Oh, Mommy! And she grabbed her heart, and her mom was looking at her, why, why, are you okay? And she goes, thank you for bringing down Christmas. And, and, she, was, and she was just, and she said, I'm going to tell everybody Merry Christmas today at school. Well, it's not even Thanksgiving yet, but she goes into school, and when she walked into school, she opens the doors, and she threw her arms open and said, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> 
Well, you know what? If we started acting that way about the way we love Jesus, folks might begin to believe us. Instead of us walking around like we're a sourpuss and got nothing to be glad about, maybe if we put a smile on our face and get a song in our heart and begin to declare, I love him, I love him, I love him. Thank you. Thank you. Let's try it one more time on three. One, two, three. I love him. Praise God. You know what? Hey, do that one more time, would you? All right. We, you know, this is, this is what gets me. We'll go to a ball game, and whether it's the Cubs or the Cardinals or whoever it is, and it's our team, and we'll jump up, woo, come to church, and we... There we go. Praise God. I hope that was for Jesus. <laughs> Amen. We've got to let the world know that we're in love with him. That's why we worship. I love him. Hey, here's a, here's a flash. He loves us too. That ought to get you real excited. He loves us too. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, he loves you. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I know you messed up. <laughs> Hey, isn't it the truth? I know. I, not, no, you need to hang out here with me. We're not three chapters into Genesis and man blows it. Uh, but God is determined uh, that he's not going to lose us. Uh, and he does whatever it takes to reach us. Why? Because he loves us. Yeah. He loves us. And that's something we ought to be celebrating. And he's jealous for me. That's Let's take a look at this term jealous in the Hebrew when it's used in context with God, that he is a jealous God. Here's what it means. Passionately engaged in the pursuit of the one he loves. Vigilant and careful that the one he loves does not withdraw from him toward another. You've been flirting around with something, he's coming for you. <laughs> what are you talking about? He doesn't want you flirting with anything that's going to take you away from him. There's something you have to understand about God. God and sin don't mix. It's an impossibility. So when sin is knocking at your door and it's trying to get your attention and you're looking at it, licking your chops, because how many of you know that sin's pleasurable for a season? And we all sit there and look at me like you ain't never sinned in your life. But when he sees us being enticed by it and starting to be drawn away by it, he comes knocking at our door. Don't go there. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm not sharing you with anyone else. It's either me. Somebody said, well, you, you, you just, it's your way or the highway. <laughs> he said, I am the way. So he's, he's saying, look, you, it's me or nothing. You can't, you can't play games with God. You got to make up your mind that I want him more than I want anything else. You say, Pastor, what happens if I mess up and I sin? Your heart will bring you back to him if you love him. How many of you got a GPS? 
Don't you love it when all of a sudden they go, Rerouting. Thank you. I was trying to think. Rerouting. Rerouting. And it's annoying, isn't it? Rerouting. But guess what? You're the one that triggered it. <laughs> Why? Because you missed your turn. Anybody ever been there? Going through there? I, I was on the phone with a guy one time, man, ministering to him. And, and I, you know, I didn't have a GPS and I, I knew where my turn was and, and all of a sudden I'm talking to him and I, I missed my turn. I said, oh man, I missed my turn. I said, I get turned around. I, get, I got turned around talking to him. I missed it again. I missed that turn three times. I finally looked at, I, I finally looked at him. I finally like, told him on the phone. I said, buddy, I'll talk to you later. I've missed my turn three times. I got to get this right. See, sometimes we get so distracted because we're focused on someone other than him and we keep missing our turn where we ought to be focused on him, then we end up having to do a course correction. Somebody say, get it right. You know what? You can be stubborn as all get out. You can say, I, I don't want to turn around. Well, you don't have to. Just keep this in mind. The longer you wait, the further you're getting away from where you're supposed to be. You know, I've made, I've made some mistakes in my life before driving and, and, and caught it real quick. And there are others that I didn't catch for about 15 miles. Debbie said 60 for her. Now, here's what you have to understand. That 60 just turned into 120. Because now you've got to turn around, so she wasted two hours of her life. I, got to, I knew it was coming. She said, no. We, they pulled off, and they started witnessing the people. I ain't, I'm going to make this count. <laughs> if, you, if, if you've got to do a course correction, make it count. Tell somebody where you're at about Jesus. Now, because he loves us, he doesn't want to share us. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Keep in mind that Jesus isn't just 100% God. He's 100% man. And so the devil, and, and if the devil is trying to tempt Jesus with all the stuff in this world, don't think he's not going to bring it up to your doorstep. If he's confident enough that he thinks he can take the Son of God and turn his head with some lights and dazzle, you can rest assured he's going to throw them up in front of your face. But we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and what he said, get behind me. Somebody say, get off my back, Jack. 
You got, you've got to let the devil know Ain't no way, ain't no how. Doesn't matter what you bring in front of my face. I am never going to bow down and worship you. I'm not turning my face away from God. I'm not changing in the middle of this journey. I have got my mind made up that it's God all the way. Somebody shout it out. God all the way. If you keep that in your heart and your mind, you'll find a passion for him like you've never known before. Somebody say, why I worship? Because he is holy. Psalms 99 verse 5, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. The word holy means sacred, elevated above all else how do you hold him in your heart see sometimes it's just a pastime oh yeah Sunday morning I'm gonna go to church and see all my friends well I'm glad you got friends but if friends is the only reason you're coming to church you're wasting your time holy sacred above all else we have to learn how to open our heart to him and say God here I am holy do we hold him as sacred in our heart now hear me because there's a scripture that says be ye holy for I am holy says the Lord And we've always looked at that and thought, how could I possibly be holy like God? You're looking at it the wrong way. Look at what the word means. Sacred and elevated above all else. Do you understand that when we hold him as holy, we hold him as sacred in our heart, you need to recognize that God holds you sacred in his heart. He holds you as holy in his heart. So he's saying, look, you hold me sacred because I'm holding you that way. You be holy because I am holy. He is above all else. He doesn't need anybody to lift him up. He doesn't need anybody to prop him up. He stands as God alone. But what he's saying to us is, listen to me, if you'll hold me as holy, I'm going to reach down and bring you up where I am. I'm gonna, you're going to be holy because I am holy. It's not that you can get there by your yourself it's because your worship and your love has drawn me to you and caused me to lift you up holy somebody say why I worship because he is worthy Psalms 18 and verse 1 to 3 this is David talking the warrior king that's a man after God's own heart and he says I love you Lord you are my strength 
The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. He's saying, I'm not backing up. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. I don't care who knows. I want every heathen God, every heathen nation, to know that I worship the Lord alone. He is God. He said, there's none beside me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. This warrior that took out giants, that feared no man, had a tender spot in his heart for God. His last words in Chronicles, where it says these are in Second Samuel, where it says these be the last words of David. He doesn't describe himself as a mighty king, but he describes himself as the sweet psalmist of Israel. What's he saying? He's saying, I know how to love God, and I know how to worship God. And when Michael Saul's daughter looked at him because he had danced before the Lord. He took off that robe that symbolized his royalty, and he danced before the Lord with everything he had, and Michael looked at him and said, man, you showed out today. Weren't you a sight? And he said, listen to me, baby doll. <laughs> he said, it was God that chose me over your daddy. He said, and I will not just worship God like this, but I'll humble myself even lower than this because I love him. I love him. I love him. Why we worship? Because he is worthy, we are not fair-weather Christians. You ever see a fair-weather Christian? It's the one that only shows up in church when everything's going right. It's the one that only holds on to God when they're not having trouble. I'm telling you, you got to hold on to God when all hell is breaking loose around you. You've got to make up your mind, I'm going to worship. I don't care what's happening. I don't care what's going on in my life. I am going to worship God. Look at Genesis 22 and verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad. Or he said, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Abraham knew exactly what was going to happen on that mountain. God had sent him up there to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And what's he going to do up there? He looked at those young men, not with his head bowed down, going, I don't know what I'm going to do, wringing his hands. He looked at those servants, and he said, me and my boy are going up to worship, and me and my boy are coming back down again. What's he declaring? He's saying, look, he, he believed in God so much that he said, you know what? If I've got to offer him as a sacrifice, God's going to raise him up. Can I tell you something? i got a daddy that died when I was 15, but I know he's alive right now. 
Because when you worship, you don't die, friend. When you worship, you live. Somebody shout it with me, alive. Don't let your dreams die. Don't let your hope die. You need to worship. Everybody say worship. Now, if we can get excited at a ball game, I've, how many of you have ever been in a movie theater and when, when the villain gets his dues? Yeah, exactly. Everybody's going, yeah! Hit him once for me. I went and saw Rocky twice. <laughs> I thought he might win a second time. He didn't. <laughs> when, do you understand the underdog? Everybody say the underdog. When, when you feel like you've gone as far as you can go. Did any of you watch Creed? You know what I'm talking about? He said, I want to be like my daddy. Hear me. Jesus gave his life so we could have life. And when it come to a fight, he didn't back up. Neither should we. For we wrestle not with what? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with spiritual wickedness in high places. And if you want to land a punch, you're going to have to do it on your knees. Somebody say worship. Abraham worshiped God. He knew what he was facing, and he worshiped anyway. Let's take a look at this word worship. In Hebrew, it's the, the word worship is shakah. It means to fall down flat in homage to God. To worship and humbly pray with an urgency. I hear people talking about, yeah, man, I'm just going to high five Jesus. Just no, no. You get in God's presence, and it'll drop you on your face. I'm talking about the real, literal presence of God. Any of you ever been there before, where all of a sudden you got into? And an atmosphere of worship and his presence was so thick the glory of God began to fall and do you know what the word glory means weighty presence all of a sudden man the presence of God comes down and there's something heavy not in the sense of a burden to bear but in the presence to carry a weighty presence of God worship when's the last time you just fell on your face and worship God when's the last time you just fell down and opened up your heart to God and said here I am God when you quit with all the pretense and all you know he knows what we're going through he knows what you're wrestling with so you don't need to fake it to make it can I tell you, if you're faking it, you ain't going to make it. you got to open your heart to God. Worship is intimacy with God. And it's spelt I-N-T-O-M-E-S-E-E. In to me 
see. It's when you open up and you're real and transparent with God. And you say, I need you. God, I need you. You don't know how many times I've opened up to God and said, God, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this on my own. God, I don't want to do this on my own. I need you. And when I open up and ask him in, guess what happens? He comes. Everybody say intimacy with God. Worship him. Why do we worship? Because when we worship, it brings victory. Everybody say victory. There's a man in Scripture. His name is Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah. There are three armies that are headed his way. The army of Ammon, the army of Moab, and the army of Mount Seir. They're coming to throw him out of the land that God gave them. Jehoshaphat goes before God and he says, God, he said, do you see what they're doing? They're coming to throw us out of the land that you gave to your friend, Abraham. What's he doing? He's getting intimate with God. He's saying, they're messing with your friend. And he said, when we came in and took possession of this land and we had to march through their lands, you did not allow us to touch them. We didn't lift a sword against them. And look how they're repaying us now. He opened his heart before God. God, I need you. And all of a sudden, God answered him and said, Jehoshaphat, you don't need to be afraid and you don't need to be discouraged. Don't you worry, boy. He said, These folks, he said as a matter of fact, you're not even going to need to fight in this battle. Oh, somebody hear what I'm saying. You know, hey, check this out. When you know how to worship, you don't need to fight. When you know how to worship, when when you know how to worship, it brings victory. You say, well, what did they do? Well, let's take a look. It's in 2 Chronicles 20 and 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping. Everybody say worshiping. Man, if we could get everybody worshiping at the same time. Do you understand what could happen in this place? If all of a sudden our voices are lifted in worship together, they were worshiping the Lord and said, now when they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments among the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. God said, you don't need to fight, but you do need to worship. You're not going to have to raise a sword, but you do need to lift a hand. (laughs) You don't have to worry about facing off with them, but you need to humble yourself before me. And when you do that, and you begin to open your heart, and all the enemy is camping around you, and they're marching in, God sent confusion in that camp and turned them against one another. And all they had to do was go and collect the spoil. I just think about that, you know. Got an army breathing down my neck. I opened the door up and they're marching on me. I shut the door and I start praying and worshiping God. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, you just take it easy. I'm going to take care of this. You just go ahead and worship. I keep worshiping God. All of a sudden, I open the door up and they're gone. <laughs> Oh, you think it can't happen? Let me tell you about a missionary that I knew of. He was in Africa, and he had 
been having, he, he was having success with the tribes people there at seeing them converted. So one night, the chief of the tribe and several warriors got a, camped out around a perimeter in the woods. They started beating the drums, and the missionary knew what that meant. And they got down on their knees and they started worshiping God. They couldn't, they, they couldn't fight them off. Just a missionary and his wife. And man, he had that chief had all of his soldiers or all of his, his tribesmen around that hut of that missionaries. And they had swords in their hand to take them out. Boom, 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 boom. And they got down and worshiped because they knew that when the drums ended, the attack was going to come. And they worshiped their way through and kept believing and trusting and praying and worshiping. And the drums stopped. And when the drums stopped, they continued to worship, but nothing ever happened. A few months later, the chief of that tribe showed up in one of his services and gave his life to God. <laughs> gave his life to God. The missionary had recognized him. He knew who he was. And he walked up to him and he said, I want you to tell me something. I, do you remember that, that, that night a few months ago? He said, yes, I remember. He said, why didn't you attack? And the, the, the chief looked at him and said, I want to know where all those men came from. He said, what are you talking about? He said, we stopped the drums and started to step out of the woods. And he said, when we looked up, there were huge men standing around your hut with swords drawn in their hand. God said, you ain't going to have to fight, but you do need to worship. Somebody say worship. When you worship, it changes the tide of the battle. We don't have to fight when we know how to worship. <laughs> you ever gotten in an argument with someone? Next time you get in an argument with them, throw your hands up and start worshiping God. Find out what happens. <laughs> I mean, right in the middle of the argument. Listen, I'm telling you, oh, Lord, I just give you praise. I thank you, Father. I, you know what's going to happen? <laughs> they, their mouth's going to drop open. They're going to, oh, I don't know. I won't want to get involved in that. <laughs> You don't have to fight when you know how to worship. Somebody say worship. Now, in the New Testament, the word worship turns into a Greek word, and it has a, an, another definition. Look at Matthew 2, 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen a star in the east, and we have come to Worship him. Somebody say it with me. Worship him. The Greek word there is proskuneo. It means adore. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ the Lord. This year, when you begin to sing that around Christmas time, I want you to understand what you're saying. Adore means to worship with profound reverence, to address with exalted thoughts by prayer and thanksgiving, to pay divine honors to Him. They came bringing him gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. They knew he had been born in a manger, in a stable filled with hay and muck and mire. But the way he came wasn't important to them because they understood who came. And they had come to adore him, to worship him, to give their very best. Let me share something with you. When those shepherds came to that manger, what did they have to do to get in? They had to bow low because the manger was like a cave. They had to bow low to go in. You're going to have to bow low to get to him. And then what did the wise men do? They gave the best they had. And when you bow low and give the best you have, you'll leave different than you came. <laughs> Those wise men didn't go home the same way. An angel said, you, you, you go a different way. You're going to leave different than you came. How many of you ready to leave differently than you came here today? Amen. You may have came here with a frown on your face, but you're going out with a smile. Everybody look and say, smile. Smile at me, Ben. You don't look too happy right now. There you go. Smile. It takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. Well, how come you always frowning? Because I've exercised those muscles more than the others. Everybody say, do some lip-ups. Got, got, to, got to get it. Listen, I'm telling you, when you worship, it changes your whole atmosphere. It changes everything around you. You can be in a depressed state and feel a heaviness in your home or in your heart. And if you will just open your heart and begin to worship God, you're going to find out that it all starts lifting and it all starts going away. Why? Because worship changes things. Somebody say it changes things. We worship because he's king of kings and lord of lords. The, the word worship has another definition along with adore, and it's found in the 15th chapter of Matthew. There's a Canaanite woman whose daughter is possessed by a devil, and Jesus is walking through, and the woman starts, can I borrow you a second? Come here. The, wo the woman starts coming up, and the woman, the, the woman comes up to Jesus, and she starts hollering after him. Say, hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Say it louder. Hey, Jesus. Real loud. Jesus. He, the Bible said that he ignores her. Completely ignores her. Just Does that sound like the Jesus we know? It's so bad that his disciples come to him and say, Lord, would you send her away? She keeps hollering at us. She keeps, just send her away. He refuses to do it. And he looked at his disciples and he said, I'm only sent to the lost house of Israel. What's going on? It's not that he doesn't love her. And it's not that he doesn't care. It's just not time yet. She's not a Jew. She's one of us. 
Now, Jesus had told his disciples, he said, I've got sheep from another flock that you don't know anything about, and I'm going to bring them in. But to bring them in, a price had to be paid. It was called Calvary. So it wasn't time yet. She is not put off by his ignoring her. She runs and throws herself at his feet. She grabs his feet and she begins to worship him. She said, Lord, my daughter is vexed by a spirit. She opens her heart and she says, you've got to help me. And he looked at her and he said, but it's not right that I should take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Listen to what she says. She said, true, Lord. She didn't look at him and say, are you calling me a dog? Who do you think you are? You know what the word worship means there? When she fell at his feet and worshiped him, the word means to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. No, you <laughs> You don't have to. I was just going to see if you would. No. <laughs> like, like a dog licking his master's hand. What's going on? You, you, don't miss the conversation here. It's not right for me to give the children's bread to dogs. She assumed the position. She said, I know that's true. But she said, even dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And when she said that, he lifted her up and said, you're going to get your miracle. What's going on? He's saying, if you can worship me like that, if you, if you can look beyond your situation, if you can look beyond your trouble and your trial and know that I am there and I am able, even when it seems like I'm putting you off and you you keep worshiping you about to get a miracle you're about to see the power of God manifest itself in a way that only God can do you want to gripe and complain it's your prerogative but you're not going to get a miracle that way you want to bellyache and puke all over everybody I'm sorry regurgitate all your stuff it's your prerogative but it's not going to bring you a miracle miracles happen I, I, if, if you don't get anything else out of this message get what happened in that instant he called her a dog and she said I am but even dogs eat crumbs from the master's table and when he heard that, even though it wasn't time yet, he set his watch forward, which y'all need to do next week. He set his watch forward, and he said, I can't help myself. I know I'm not supposed to, but that kind of worship demands a response. 
that kind of worship can't be put on hold. So your daughter is healed. I'm telling you, it's time for us to stand up and declare, I'm going to worship my way into a miracle. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. You say, but my family's lost. Go ahead and worship anyway. But my, I've lost my job. Worship anyway. But things are going wrong. Worship anyway. But I've got an affliction in my body. Worship anyway. And when you worship, now hear me, that woman that had been bleeding for 12 years made a statement, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole. She pushed her way. She worshiped her way to him. And it demanded a response. He said, who touched me? Oh, not in a sense of a physical touch, but somebody just connected to heaven and pulled a miracle down. <laughs> you need a miracle today? There's a God that's able. He delights to do the impossible. I was in Russia. Everything was falling apart. I couldn't get, I was trapped with a tour company that had control of a bus and I was trying to break away from it and nothing was going right. And I went on the bus and I, I was really getting depressed. And I went and sat down and I went to lay my head over on the window and the window was a lot closer than I realized. And so I smacked my head against that window, but maybe that's what I needed. Because when I took that lick to the head, I heard the Lord speak to my heart. Sometimes we're so caught up in our stuff that we're not opening our heart. And when I took that lick to the head, God opened my heart and I heard him say, don't worry about this. Just trust me. What's he saying? He's saying, just, just worship. Don't, don't fret. Don't fear. Just worship. God is my witness. Within two to three hours of that encounter on the bus with that window, <laughs> I had my own bus. I wasn't connected to any tour company. God gave me an interpreter, and we had that entire trip to do ministry. No longer trying to break away here and there, but able to get away. How many of you ready to get away with God? Do you ever, you know, we make that statement all the time, maybe we just need to, Debbie and I, we just need to get away. What about you and God? You ever just need to get away with God? Sometimes me and God will go for a drive, man. Just open the car up and let him in. <laughs> Sometimes we'll go for a walk. Sometimes we'll sit around the fire. But when I begin to talk to him, it's not chit-chat. It's opening my heart. And saying, God, I need you. I love you. I worship you. 
If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I want to worship. And I don't want all this stuff to get in my way. So I'm asking God today to focus on you. To focus on your heart. That you'll forget about who's standing next to you, who's in front of you, who's behind you. And you'll say, here I am, God. Would you raise your hands to him right now just for a moment? Just raise your hands. Push past all the stuff you're wrestling with. And just see him for who he is. He's a God that's bigger than your circumstance. He's a God that's bigger than your situation. I don't know what your name is. Would you, would you come here just a second? Walk up with her, would you, Jason? Just, yeah, bring her on up. If you would just stretch your hand. I normally wouldn't do this, but when I, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but when I saw you, I heard something. Let her know that it's going to be okay. I don't know what you've been walking through. But God does. And he's reaching right now and saying, I want you just to trust me because I'm going to raise you up above this. Church, would you stretch your hands to heaven with me? Does that make sense to you? Just stretch your hands to heaven with me. Tell me your name. Jennifer. Father, I thank you right now for what you're doing for Jennifer shutting out all the distractions and apprehending her heart and all her attention. Let her feel loved like she's never felt loved before, the way you love her. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it right now. <laughs> I receive it right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Can you love him? Just love him with me, church. Thank you. Thank you. I shall love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's a God that loves you, that cares about you, that wants you to understand that if you'd been the only one, he'd have still come. He would have paid the price. You know, we had communion, and I can't help it, man. Every time we have communion, when they bring out the bread and they say, now, this is his body that's broken, and they say, take the bread. I close my eyes, and I see a whip ripping the flesh off his back, and I understand it should have been my back. It should have been my pain. The song said, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. Think about it. If I had all 
that I would have accomplished was dying. I couldn't redeem anyone. I couldn't save anyone. So he stepped in our place and he said, I'm going to do this for you. I can't forget that. I can't write that off like that's no big deal. I don't want to ever forget it. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, would you open your heart to him? Would you get intimate with him for just a moment right now and say, God, I need you. Look into my heart. I humble myself before you. I love you, God, and I need you. I'm asking you right now to fill my life with your love. I say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in here. I look, I want you to hear me. We talked about, the last thing I talked about was when you worship, worship brings a miracle. Tonight we're having an encounter. We're coming to worship. We're coming believing God for miracles. One person's believing God for a miracle. Somebody say, I'm believing God for a miracle. God is able to do what we can't. I want you to come tonight. Now, look, if you haven't been baptized, the baptistry is filled. I want you to come tonight prepared. You say, well, what's the big deal about being baptized? After last week, you shouldn't have to ask that. If you weren't here last week, you need to understand that if you want to raise up in resurrection of life with him, you're first going to have to be buried with him. When you're buried with him, when Debbie married me, she took on my name. She identified as mine. When we give our hearts to him, when we surrender to him, when we're baptized in him, we're taking on his name. We belong to him. So if you you haven't been baptized, want to be baptized, bring a change of clothes tonight. We'll baptize you at the end of the service. Let's come in here tonight, and we're going to worship God. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, I'm talking about some real worship. Come on, let's give him another hand clap of praise. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tonight.